Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, we are cruising through summer here, man. It is just... Uh, That's right. It has been just steamy, hot. Very. You yeah. Know, and drippy. then you, you, your occasional thunderstorm that drowns yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a normal July now. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's low mid-90s every day. You go outside and it's just, you get drippy in just oh, a yeah. few minutes. A few minutes. You know? Yeah. I have this rule that's 80-80, you know, about okay. how steamy it is. It, when it hits 80 degrees in the morning... If it's eighty, still eighty percent humidity or more, that is a super drippy day. Okay, and so I got That's this good. little weather station I look at, and you only get that about a week or two out of the summer, hmm. most summers. Yeah, and we've been this way for two weeks now, well over that eighty eighty rule. Yeah, and it's it's strange being a northerner and come you know moving down here, and that summertime was always outside time, but summers in in Augusta are always inside time. Yeah, till about noon. I mean, I still yeah. love the weather here because you could still get Morn- out. Well, mornings are nice. Mornings are still nice. Yeah, and then we do, we've been trying to do a evening walks as a family after dinner, go for just a quick walk around the neighborhood, and that's nice. Yeah. But for the most part during, yeah, the, during the day. The bulk of the afternoon, no, no, no. you know, up to about eight o'clock, I mean, you got to <laughs> yeah. just stay yeah. inside. Right. So... There you go. That's summer. And, you know, not a lot going on in sports either. Nope. I mean, we're at the break here with, with uh, Major League Baseball. The Braves had a great first half of the season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, golf, we got like the Barbersall Championship this weekend. Not much going yeah. on there till the, to nothing, open, nothing I think. Nothing too big. Opens in a couple weeks, I mm-hmm. think. So, um, so there you go. That's sports. That's summer. You summer, know? yeah. We're in the middle of it. You know, but yeah. there is a lot going on in the stock market, isn't there? There are. Oh, yeah. A lot of good news, uh, especially yeah. in the last few months. Really, I think since... It was like since the the debt ceiling issue got settled, that has helped. Inflation news came out in June, and infl- we'll, we'll talk about it in a few moments. Inflation yeah. news, yeah, from June got reported, and that's good. Uh, so I think we've had a good month, month and a half. Hopefully, that continues throughout yeah, the year. We're starting to have a drip of positive information. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. Yep. Um, so you know that continues to drip out, and that made for a good June in the market. And it looks like we're starting off with a pretty good July. That's so. right. We're going to see how things go here, you know, and, and speaking of good, we have some great topics here to talk about. I mean, we're going to start off with, um, you know, what does the Supreme Court's rejection of the student loan forgiveness mean for you if you have yeah. student loans? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, back at the end of last year, that plan was announced that they're going to forgive student loans. And now the plan was announced that they're not going to do that. So what does right. it mean for you going into that? Uh, it's just good information uh, to talk about here and that we have an article from Wall Street Journal on that. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. And then we're going to follow that up um, with the nine retirement regrets to avoid. Um, yeah, this is a really pertinent, you know, article um, and topic. I mean, because as we see a lot of people going to retirement, obviously that's what we all plan for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do unfortunately see some of these regrets that people have like, well, I wish I had done this differently. I wish I had plan better or had, uh, you know, just, uh, yeah, just been more ready for retirement. And we get, so there's nine things here you want to look out for. We're going to dig into those. You really want to stick around for those. Those are super good. Yes. All right. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey smart investor pro with over 28 years of financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Zach Albany. He's also a certified financial planner. I've been in the industry for about four years. 
and have been here for, I guess, two and a half now. There you go. So Time flies. Yeah. Having fun. Yeah. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday morning. Um, you can find our show on our website, moneymd.net, or on iTunes. Um, you listen to us anywhere in the world. Lots of information on our website. All of our old shows are up there. Um, yeah, it's a great resource. Yeah, and they're listed by topic, and we've covered hundreds of topics now over the past oh, yeah. you know, 11 or 12 years. So, um, yeah. And we, and we try to stay relevant, too, you know, talking about the debt forgiveness, what's going on, tuning in weekly, and, and uh, seeing kind of what's going on in the finance world. So Exactly. And we cover all kinds of topics like Social Security, Medicare. Yep. So everything you can imagine is on there. So get on there. Browse through those topics and listen to some of our old shows if you haven't. Also, check us out on our website, moneymd.net, where you can link to us. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, Zach, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Give it to me. All right, here it goes. Um, Inflation has dropped as of this morning, Zach. This morning, yeah. Um, June's inflation number came out for the past 12 months. It's 3% year over year. That's wild. Inflation. That's crazy. We've gone from 9.1% yeah. inflation year over year a year ago to now only 3%. Three. That's a pretty reasonable yeah. number. It's starting to feel like the old days. Kind of, of normal. Kind of normal inflation. Yeah, yeah. The market's got it like that today. Yeah, and that's that's the lowest since March of 2021. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, two and a quarter years, lowest number we've seen. So we'll see how it progresses because, you know, if you remember a year ago, yeah. inflation peaked in Huge, June yeah. last year. And we're talking about year-over-year numbers. Right. So inflation started getting better last last July. July. So next month's re- reporting will do July. August's reporting will do July. Yeah, it'll be July over July. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little harder comparison. So it'll be interesting to see if the number can continue to come down or if it even stays the same or if it inches back up a little bit. Yeah. Because it's comparing against a better number. Yeah. Even inching back up, you know, it's interesting how the market will respond, but even inching back up a little bit to some of these numbers late, you know, into the fall wouldn't be bad necessarily because um, June's number was so high last year. So 3% over June's number last year. Yeah. If it stays the same, that's, that's really good. That's really good because the inflation was improving last July. Um, And also, it means the Fed is probably only going to raise rates. I heard the consensus this morning is kind of like, okay, one more rate increase probably. Yeah, which wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. So this month, we're expecting one more quarter point increase mm-hmm. into the month. Um, you know, the, that's the consensus. And then they're saying, you know, maybe they'll hold. So yeah, especially if inflation keeps at this lower rate, then their their incentive to raise rates right. uh, is is not as great. So I think, yeah, hopefully more good news. We, it's It's been a... Tough bear market, so all this good news is obviously uh, good yeah. to hear. I think, yeah, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah. And uh, it's not a train, in this case. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> it's a good light at the end of the tunnel. All <laughs> right, and that leads us into our first topic here. What does the Supreme Court's rejection of the student loan forgiveness mean to you? Yeah, so this is good. Again, this is from the Wall Street Journal. And so, Steve, you know, millions of Americans will have to prepare to repay the entire balance of their student debt now that the Supreme Court has overturned President Biden's loan forgiveness plan, which was not the sentiment just a few months ago. Uh, after a three-year pause in payment, so we had you know, COVID and, um, well, really since COVID, the, the pausing of debt payments, we've had three years um, uh, and there now has been uncertainty and then legal challenges. The program now will not be allowed to move forward 
the Biden administration's forgiveness plan would have wiped out up to $20,000 in federal student loan debt for qualified borrowers. And the court ruled uh, just last Friday in a six to three decision that the education department doesn't have the authority to implement a program that would change student loans this way. So Mm. many questions remain about the details of repayment uh, starting back up. So here are some answers to borrowers' questions about next steps. Yeah. um, So... And yeah, I think this was questionable from day one, you know, yeah. I mean, so you couldn't really count on this because you knew there were going to be challenges. So sure. yeah, what happens next? I mean, basically borrowers shouldn't count on student loan forgiveness at this point. Um, it was kind of obvious that it was, you, you need to hold your breath, yeah, you know, right. and, and not, not go spend that money because um, it may not have happened. And in case, in this case, it certainly did not, yeah. doesn't look like it will. So, yeah. you know, in his remarks last Friday, Biden said his the, he plans to push for student loan forgiveness again um, using a different legal authority, um, the Higher Education Act of 1956. And so this path will likely take longer and will face some renewed legal challenges. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, you know, focus on preparing for resumption of payments by the end of the summer is what the experts are saying. You know, you're not going to, you just can't count on on this forgiveness try going through again. So, uh, yeah, you're going to have to start repaying your loans yep. if you have them. That's the bottom line. That's right. And so the question, you know, when do student loan payments resume? So all borrowers with outstanding federal student loan balances will see interest on those loans resume as of, of September 1st, according to the Education Department. And payments will be due starting in October. Uh, the Biden administration announced a temporary 12-month on-ramp period following the ruling. This period, he said, will prevent those who miss payments from defaulting on their loans or having their credit uh, adversely affected. Then loan servicers are, are likely to be you know, inundated with calls during this time from borrowers from in the immediate aftermath of the decision. Um, he, and uh, Scott Buchanan, who's an executive director of Student Loan Servicing Alliance, said that, or he warned that borrowers should be prepared for long wait times and clogged phone lines. That's no fun. Mm. Uh, the student loan servicing system might also face issues with turning uh, so many accounts back on after a long pause. Uh, Buchanan said he was worried that it could create a potential for a real bottleneck come uh, August and September when these folks, or if you're in that situation, you, you're you trying to resume these payments. So, Yeah, exactly. So the question is, how should you prepare um, financially so, yeah, I mean, make sure that your account information is up to date. You know, don't do like I did when I got out of school and I moved and didn't update my information with the student loan program. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't get my notice whenever I had to make my first payment and I was late. Uh, and that went against my credit record. And I had to fight that when I got my first home mortgage. Yeah. Because that was against my credit record. So, yeah, don't let that happen. Keep I mean, make sure your yeah. information's up to date, that you have your... Your, your new address on there. You haven't been making these payments for a long time. So it could be real easy to have moved and not updated that information. Hmm. Um, so make sure you do that. And, you know, many borrowers might understandably be concerned about absorbing that payment again into their budgets after a three-year pause. Um, but, you know, good financial planning is all about juggling priorities. It's hard to stop doing something for a while and then resume it. Um, so, you know, if you're still, if you, you still have student loans, I mean, maybe now is a good time to sit back, re-examine your budget and your cash flow, your discretionary spending, yeah. see where you can trim some expenses and free up some cash flow to start making those payments again, because 
it's coming, you know, August, September. You yeah. Get ready yeah. For now's that. the time to prepare for that. Yeah. So, and, and don't go, you know, a lot of people have the question, how much will I have to pay? You know, don't go straight into planning with the lowest possible payment plan and said, plan for what you think the maximum will be. That way, you know, it's just a good budgeting tip because that way, if your payments end up being lower, you're not having to do the hard work of reshuffling your finances again. You'll actually feel like you freed up room. So if you prepare now, right. your payment's actually lower, then you'll feel like you, know, you got more money to, to spend in some other categories. Uh, but for most borrowers, this calculation should be fairly straightforward. Really, it's whatever your payment was before the pause, since interest hasn't accrued. And most people haven't made voluntary payments, although that, although that was a prudent thing to do. Yes. Um, those who have continued making payments during the pause or are curious about changing payment plans should really contact their loan servicer directly well in advance of when these payments are, are supposed to resume. And so the servicer can walk you through any potential changes, payment estimates, or plan options. Uh, the education department also offers a, a loan simulator tool which you can check out at studentaid.gov. And this uses information such as income, family size to calculate potential monthly loan payments. And then from there, you can select between different repayment options and read more about how you can move forward. Yeah, so what are your payment, your repayment options? Um, and that's a great question. You do need to figure that out, you know. So if you can't just pay it, um, you know, monthly as it's scheduled. Right. I mean, contact your loan service provider to talk out possible repayment plan options, um, some of which might even include a path to eventual forgiveness because there are still the traditional loan forgiveness programs yeah, in place. Absolutely. Right, because last October, the Biden administration announced changes to the traditional public service loan forgiveness program, which has been in effect for a long time. Right which, you know, streamline the debt relief for workers in fields such as teaching, nursing, public interest law. And so the changes would allow borrowers to make late or partial payments or remain on and remain on track for eventual forgiveness. Um, other, other qualified borrowers might eventually be able to take advantage of the revised pay-as-you-earn plan and its revamped income-driven plan, um, the Biden administration announced earlier this year. And these new plans would calculate monthly student loan payments based on income and family size and lower borrowers' monthly payments and speed up the repayment process. So under the revised plan, borrowers could pay as little as 5% of their discretionary income toward uh, undergraduate loans. And the plan also promises to eliminate remaining debt after 10 years for borrowers with balances less than $12,000. So, you know, that's a great option yeah, as that, well. That's really helpful if you find that yourself in that in that group, in that category. <clears throat> and then the final question they have is, what if I'm unable to make payments at all? Uh, you know, so the pandemic pause, it, it put all student loans in forbearance, regardless of the status. And unlike income-driven repayment plans, which allow borrowers to make similar, or sorry, smaller payments, sometimes as low as $0 a month, which is, Steve, as you said, is calculated by their family size and income. Forbearance grants a reprieve from any payment at all. Uh, some borrowers might be unable to afford payments because of medical issues, a change in employment, or other financial hardships. Um, in that case, student loan forbearance is still available. And forbearance is not often the best option, but it is an option. So you want to look into, is that the best option for you in this time because really the worst thing you can do is to not pay attention 
not right. make a decision at all based on good information, not update your address, Steve. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> so if you're a cur- you know, if you're curious about forbearance, you might first contact your loan officer, apply and see see if you qualify. Um, and so then after the payment and interest pause ends on August 30th, your student loan may still accrue interest during the forbearance period, uh, which could raise the amount of money you pay over the course of life of the loan, but would free you up from paying anything uh, right now. So those are the options uh, if you're affected by this. I know, as Steve, as you said, it was it was unlikely that <clears throat> that this would take place when it was announced last year. Right. But um, so now I think prepare, don't count on it. Uh, prepare to resume those payments and update your information so that you're not you're not paying unnecessary interest. Uh, but a relevant topic, a recent topic, and I think good good yeah. to talk about, about yeah. on our show. Yeah, great information, no doubt about that. So that's good. That leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. So Steve, I got a question for you. All right. What do you do okay. if you have a worthless stock or security in your brokerage account? Wow. First of all, do you? That's a great question. Yeah, there Ty. are such things as worthless yeah. securities. Unfortunately, <laughs> there are. Yes, I've I've seen those recently, Zach. Yeah. And, and we just had a client that had this situation. Yeah, so, right. uh, so yeah, it's a very interesting question. A lot of people, more than you think, end up with something in their brokerage account, you know, that was given to them or was a spinoff from something they had, yeah. you know, years ago maybe, and um, eventually it becomes worthless because, you know, the company goes through bankruptcy. A lot of big companies... If you give them enough time, they oh, go yeah. through a hard period. Yeah. And, you know, just like Delta is still operating, you know, they've gone through bankruptcy at least once back yeah. in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, if you owned the stock back then, it was worthless. It really was. So, yeah. so what do you do with that stock? That's a great question. So it's stuck in your brokerage account. It's worth almost nothing, maybe pennies, maybe zero. Um, you have basically two options, Zach. Either you can hang on to it. Mm-hmm. With the hopes that there'll be some kind of settlement coming out of bankruptcy, and you'll get you know some some you know payment, and we right. have seen that over the years, yeah. you know, back during the early two thousands, a bunch of the baby bells went bankrupt. You know, mm-hmm. MCI, WorldCom, stocks like that, and it took several years, and eventually they did get a little little payments. You know, as things parts of right. the business were sold off, um, so that may happen, um, but that takes a long time, a lot of patience, and meanwhile you can't deduct that stock, the yeah. loss of that stock. So if, it, if it's in a taxable account and you want to take deduction for, you know, whatever you put in that stock, you can't do it during that process. Right. And you're getting pennies back. So it takes yeah. a long time. Another option is to declare it worthless. Right. And so <clears throat> the easiest way to do that is to go through your brokerage company. They usually have a form for declaring a security worthless. And they basically will take the security off your hands you know, they'll they'll add it to their account, whatever they do with it. But, you know, you, it'll disappear from your account as if it was sold. Right. Then you'll get a 1099 <clears throat> that'll show the loss at the end of the year. Yeah. And you can take the deduction. Take the deduction. Which, if it's worth pennies, yeah. in that sense, it's it's often better. Sometimes it's better just to get so, the deduction. Depends on your situation, it but yeah. it can be, yeah, it can be better for your situation. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, a lot of times, obviously, we never intend to buy uh, any security. No, we don't. <laughs> going and we, worthless. And we don't recommend an individual security. Exactly, right. But if you have some, lots yeah. of people do, obviously. Eventually, yeah. one of them is going to end up with a big goose egg. That's right. So, unfortunately. So, good question. Yeah. Very relevant question. So, yes. 
All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is the nine retirement regrets to avoid. Okay. Um, yeah, Zach. So this is based on article from bottom line personal, <clears throat> um, some time ago, Jeff Eager and, um, uh, you know, enjoying retirement though is near the top of most people's wish list, right? I mean, that's what we plan for, you know, but um, we sit down with hundreds of retirees over the years and, you know, we've heard time and again from retirees about how they wish they had done some things differently. Yeah. Um, for sure. We see lots of regrets. I mean, there's nothing worse than, you know, planning for years for the big day when you can kick back, enjoy life, only to find out you miss some of the most important opportunities mm. related to your golden years. Um, so, you know, the good news is that there's usually still time to fix some of these regrets, even with only a few years before retirement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so by heeding the advice of some of those that are already retired, um, and, you know, advisors like us, I mean, you can certainly avoid some of these common regrets and enjoy the retirement, you know, much, much more. So here are some of the regrets that you want to be able to avoid. Yes. The first one is not planning well to be able to retire sooner. Uh, Most of the retirees we sit down with are enjoying the retirement immensely. And when we ask about any regrets, they often say, my only regret is that I should have planned better so I could have retired sooner. Some go on to explain that once they settled into the retirement, they find they realistically could have afforded to retire earlier with a little extra planning uh, while under saving for retirement is scary and a real possibility for many people. That's a, that's a lot of people's fears. Right. Over saving for retirement happens quite a bit too. I, I mean, I think we often see that and um, and overall it's it's part partly because people don't plan thoroughly and keep working uh, right. during due to their lack of confidence. So yeah, yeah, if you don't don't plan well and you you don't really understand where you are, you know where you're going, then exactly. you, you don't have the confidence. To yeah, you, you really don't have any. You just sort of a shot in the dark. So it's helpful. Exactly. <clears throat> plan, have confidence, uh, so you can retire at the age that makes makes most sense. So. Yeah, that you really want to. That's right. Yeah. yeah. According to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we naturally spend less as we age throughout our retirement years. And, you know, all types of consumer goods and services, um, with the exception of health care, of course. Um, and we see this for retirees. You know, those first 10 years of retirement are kind of the go-go years where you're knocking out your bucket list. You're That's right. spending the most money you are in retirement. But then after that, you know, people tend to slow down a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, they, maybe they have some health issues. They start staying home more. And you spend a lot less, quite frankly. So, so you don't have to plan on that high level of spending throughout all of your retirement, most likely. Right. Um, so that's one way that people tend to, uh, you know, not not really plan well for retirement. So so if you do some retirement planning and you know what you really need, you might find that you actually can retire sooner than you think. Um, so the key is to plan well and plan early yeah. um, for retirement. <clears throat> the next one here, Zach, is not living life a little prior to retirement. You know, many retirees, they express regrets about not traveling or pursuing their bucket list before retirement, you know, when they're healthier or, you know, not having to care for parents um, because you never know what's going to happen, right? Right. So, but yeah, traveling becomes more difficult when you have some health issues or maybe less physical stamina. Um, Unfortunately, many retirees are forced to retire due to health issues, um, themselves or with their spouse. Mm. So, you know, the tendencies to postpone those big trips um, or the expensive adventures until you retire and you have more time, 
You know, that certainly makes sense. Of course, sometimes retirement doesn't work out as you plan. Right. Right. And your health deteriorates or you find yourself yeah. caring for maybe your aging parents. Um, so plan well, I mean, budget for some fun before retirement, you know, with proper planning, you know, a car payment or education payments can be diverted toward memorable vacations each year, you know, and start knocking out that bucket list, um, working off some of those items before you retire. I mean, you never know how circumstances may work out during retirement and you, you know, you never regret living life early, you know, if you if you back it up with some good planning. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you'll have more time in retirement for sure. But yeah, to not just rush to that, neglect your health, neglect your, you know, some vacation time and family time uh, and then in the interim. So that's good. That's a good point. The um, third one is not doing your homework. Uh, so many retirees admitted that they took the time to learn how some of the most basic features of retirement worked only when they were on the cusp of retirement or even after they were fully retired. And many retirees confessed that they waited too long to learn the ins and outs of things like Social Security and Medicare, you know, which are huge benefits that you have for the, for the rest of your life. Right. You know, they um, it, it it affects the your retirement retirement accounts, your health plans, and so the fine points of things such as investing in Roth accounts or health savings accounts they discover too late when you can't contribute to a Roth or savings account a health savings account anymore. Right. So do your homework early. Um, so that you're you're well prepared for those sorts of things. Yeah, that's exactly right. We see examples of this from time to time, you know, not doing the type of homework early, you know, can cost you. And we saw, you know, $6,000 a year in lost pension benefits that um, one person in this example, in this article, you know, um, uh, missed because mm-hmm. they were, they were, they didn't take their pension early when they could have. Yeah. Um, so she looked into it one day when she was actually ready to stop working and it was a big mistake. She could have started yeah. drawing it a lot earlier, earlier, right? you know, and it didn't go up any. Right. So, um, we also sat down with couples, um, and one recently here where, you know, the younger spouse should have taken social security earlier, you know, s- since the, uh, the, um, uh, survivor benefits, uh, from the older spouse would negate any, um, any benefit from delaying. So, but yeah, not, not burying the hatchet sooner is another item we see from retirees. You know, it's never too early to patch things up with family members or others whom you, you know, have strained relationships with. But, you know, carrying those emotional baggage with you into retirement really can tarnish your later years. I mean, first, you'll have too much time in retirement to sit around and, you know, ruminate about you know, unpleasant affairs, you know, that in your family, you know, diminishing your health and your happiness. Also, I mean, having close supportive relationships with family and friends in a care network that you can depend on can be a tremendous asset, particularly in retirement. So you want to just get those, you know, personal things behind you, bear the hatchet and, you know, mend relationships before you get to retirement. Yeah, that's really good. Um, Another thing to do is, is, or I guess regret is, folks not planning for all the extra leisure time they have. So, you know, if you're wor- used to work, although we, we sometimes do hear that there's people feel like there's less time in retirement, <laughs> yes, but, do. but you know, if you're used to working full time and have full leisure time, or, you know, if, if you have few leisurely interests that take up, take up time, filling all the new founded time during retirement really can be a real challenge. Maybe consider, you know, pickleball's 
big. Right. Taking up pickleball, developing some recreation activity you can do um, together with your with your spouse, with friends. Uh, retirees say that you should cultivate hobbies and other activities like this before you retire so you're not overwhelmed by all the, the additional free time. Also, if one spouse is used to being alone around the house and has you know been primarily responsible for managing the household, injecting a second person into that situation can create a lot of stress. Yes. Uh, we we hear it all the time where you know whoever retired first they they're not used to the other one being, true. being home That's and true. they kind of want them to get out of the house again. So uh, just make sure you know you're you're planning your time. It doesn't need to be as stressful as work, but it is good to to do things and and live leisurely and doing activities and hobbies. So um. Uh, that's a good one to plan yeah. for so you don't regret. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, another regret is not downsizing earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, downsizing your household and lifestyle by doing such things as moving to a smaller home, getting rid of the unwanted items, you know, maybe selling off a second car, you know, having a garage sale, cleaning some things out. You know, it's a pretty common practice among retired folks. Um and once they've done it, you know, many retirees say they wish they had done that years earlier, hmm. you know, long before they retired because it's so liberating, you know, being free of all that extraneous stuff. Um, you know, they just, a lot of them just wish they had done that when they were 50 rather than when they were 70, you know? So, um, yeah. So you just kind of decluttering your life, downsizing, making things yeah. simpler. That's good. That's a really good thing to do, you know, long before retirement. Yeah. Another thing is um, not kicking a bad habit earlier. So, you know, you have more time on your hands. Your rhythms and your routines are different. And so you might pick up uh, maybe a bad habit that you had just because you have more idle time. Uh, I mean, kind of we, we all go through that. We we have a few hours free and we didn't do what we're supposed to do because we just were out of a rhythm. And so there's nothing that yeah. changes your rhythm more than re retiring. I mean, you have you have to establish a new rhythm. So whether it's Whatever bad habits you have, um, you know, not not exercising or your eating schedule, whatever it is, you know, being isolated with no responsibilities can make those things uh, crop up more. So gear up for retirement, you know, identify those things. And again, I think going back to some of these other points, having a schedule to your day, having leisurely time, right. having something you do can help stave off some of these um, these bad habits that you might have. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. Another one here is not drawing Social Security at the best time. I mean, many experts, you know, suggest holding off drawing Social Security to your 70 or at least, you know, to your full retirement age because you do get, you know, a lot higher benefit. Um, <clears throat> in fact, it, it's nearly 75% more if you draw it at 70 instead of 62. Of course, everybody's situation is different. So while it yep. may be a good strategy for some, you know, um, it, we do see, you know, a lot of situations where one spouse is, is, is younger, you know, and, and has a lot slower, lower benefit. Um, and so they should probably draw it earlier. So yeah. you have to look at your individual situation, but do some retirement planning early. Don't just drift into retirement and say, Oh, I'm just, we're both going to wait and we're going to, you know, draw it. They are all both going to draw it at 62. Do some planning around that yeah. because yeah, you may regret it later. Yeah. So that's a good one. Mm -hmm. And the last one here is not taking better care of your health. Um, <laughs> that's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey Mantle once said, you know, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so yeah, entering retirement, you know, in ill health, I mean, can have dire consequences in terms of, 
you know, your quality of life and your finances. So maintaining good health throughout life and specifically going into retirement is, is super important. Um, you know, as one mm-hmm. retiree put it, you know, truly it can make, a, a re, you know, your retirement years, the best years of your life if you're in good health. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, so don't despair if your health's less than perfect as you hit retirement. A number of retirees have said that they, you know, were able to marketably improve their health once they retired. Once they retired, yeah. They had some time to yeah, exercise time, yeah. and do things like that and really tend to things. Um, so anyway, but just, you know, uh, just pay attention to that. And so lots of regrets here that you could have. So, you know, just, just don't wait to retirement, you know, start planning for these things early. Yeah. And you too can have a golden retirement. Yeah, that's what we want. We want that for you. So Exactly. That's good. All right. And that leads up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription Prescription. of the week. That's right. Yeah. So the prescription of this week is to digitize your financial documents. So scan them in, have organized in a folder, whether it's tax returns, uh, statements, have it in one place. There's nothing worse than trying to find that document you need, insurance document, exactly. and you just don't know where it is. You're looking through folders, but if you have it organized, you scan them in, and it doesn't take that long. I mean, if it's your first time doing it, it might take a long time. Right. Schedule a few hours on a weekend to do that. But once you have a system created, it's really easy just when everything comes in. You, phones are so great now. It's snapping paper images. You don't need a scanner, um, but uh, I think it's a good thing for you to do, especially in this world today. Uh, and it's easy to organize, um, whether it's in a folder, you can use some other programs. I know I use a program called Notion. That's helpful for organizing documents and and, and whatnot. So anyway, that's prescription. Figure out a way, digitize your your documents. Yeah, get get your life digital. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, paper files, they're just, you know, they're cumbersome. They they get they get lost, misplaced. Nobody else can yeah. find them. And then one of the best features too of, of digitizing your documents is you can search. You can search tax return 2021 and it will right. pop up or right. even if you had a, a certain insurance um, a statement that with you, you remembered it said something you could type in that word and it will find it and so absolutely you just can't do that with with paper yeah and it's so much easier to get better organized because you can make a new folder in seconds you yeah. know, on the computer whereas organized you know, by year yeah but you know we all know you don't do that in paper no. you don't make new folders you, you throw just it in cram it in the yeah. old folder and, yeah yeah so yeah, yeah, digitize your life. I love that. And just buy a cheap scanner is probably the way to go, honestly. Yeah. So, you, you know, if you want to keep power bills, fine. You know, just scan it in, scan it in. and shred it. Yeah. You know, get rid of it. Yeah. You know, and just um, just do that every month. But don't don't keep all that paper stuff. That's right. I like it. Great prescription of the week. All right, well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Can link to us there and send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Yeah, have a good one. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.